we're trying to figure out a way to replace the energy that is Mac. And one man came to mind. That is John Ellis. He's on Twitter or X, whatever we call it, at one Panther place. He's the host of Game On on Fox Sports Upstate. Uh, Great, great Panther coverage with the Roar and many other uh, Panther platforms. John, welcome in. Congratulations. You get to replace the energy of Mac today. Oh, boy, geez, they talk about pressure. Okay, <laughs> right off the bat, let's go. What do I do? Do I start screaming, doing some wacky bits here? That's uh, a tough man to replace. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I've, uh, I've covered the mistakes that he makes. I've got a number of those on the docket today, <laughs> but uh, we're moving on from those. John, before we get into the current state of the Panthers and where they go from here this offseason, what's your assessment of a Panther of the past in Luke Keekley and his chances of being a first ballot Hall of Famer uh, in 2025? Yeah, I think you look at, uh, yeah, obviously Luke's career was amazing. We saw in a very short span of time uh, that middle linebacker do some things we haven't seen a lot of players in that stadium do in terms of making an impact. Uh, A couple plays that come to mind with Luke. Talking about the game in Dallas on Thanksgiving back in 2015 where he just uh, comes off his coverage, comes off that route, and undercuts Cole Beasley and takes the pick six home for a touchdown. And this is the things he would do in the run game in terms of just filling the run. He and Thomas Davis together were just such a great tandem. And I think without a doubt, I mean, you look at a career like Pepper's first ballot Hall of Famer, same type of impact on and off the field here in the community for Luke Keekley, and a guy that uh, who knows what the numbers would have been had he chosen to play longer, certainly respect his decision. He's still there doing it on the radio side now. But uh, I, I think you look at a guy like Luke and his absence uh, has been felt you know, far and wide with this franchise, not just in terms of the locker room, but production. Guys like Frankie Louvu trying to fill that role, but most certainly first ballot to me, no doubt. Hey, John, I uh, wanted to ask you, there's some rumors going on, uh, you know, around DK Metcalf out in Seattle. Uh, a lot of people think he could be, you know, in a situation kind of like A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, where they end up trading him despite how much success he has had. What, what do you think the Panthers' interest level should be in a deal for him? Because, I mean, there are some elements to it. I said earlier, you know, a guy that would only have two years left on his deal, you're paying him 24 and $29 million respectively over the next two years. What do you think about the Panthers getting involved in that? Well, it's interesting. You know, I hear that rumor, too. And obviously you connect the dots between Dave Canales and a lot of uh, the guys that he's brought in and a guy like DK who – worked directly with Dave there in Seattle. Certainly, DK to me still has some of that top-line type of talent and separation for a guy that size, even at his age. Don't know if I'm interested, if I'm Carolina, in you know putting more draft capital on the line, even for a veteran right now. Uh, I think you've got some options in free agency. It's interesting. I don't know if they'll make that call. I, I think there's a lot of, even though it's... Um, it's a good move on the surface. You've got the whole Scott Fitter, Seattle angle, going back to the well with we're in on every deal. Maybe we step back from that one and say, for a lot of reasons, let's be a little more modest in free agency this year. Look second, third round for maybe a receiver we can develop. But uh, you're going to start to hear a lot of rumors like that for sure. And certainly you can connect some dots between the new head coach and that very talented receiver. That is the voice of John Ellis at One Panther Place and many other platforms with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. When we're talking about acquiring a player, the magnitude of DK Metcalf, the the natural name that would come up in something like that would be Brian Burns. But just in general with Brian Burns, 
How do you think this plays out here with, with him and his contract situation? You know, every day I go through this Brian Burns thing, Bone, and I, I come back to the, the franchise tag probably being the most likely guess that I could give right now. Yes, I think Brian really wants to be here. I just don't think he wants to be here at the numbers that Carolina so far has pitched out there to him. I, I think, you know, good for Brian for standing his ground, and he feels his value is what it is. What that number is, I don't know. But I would suspect we're looking at somewhere around the Max Crosby range. And I think you look at his production last year, I'd probably be the first to tell you that's something that needs to improve. He plays through injuries, you play through a little pain, and you worry, as he talked about there at the end of the season, hey, at any moment, I don't have that new deal. I can snap my leg in half, something could happen. I got to get paid. I don't think he gave minimum effort as a result. But I think what happened at the beginning of last year was a real kind of dark cloud over the team. It, I mean, he was a pulled-in type of guy. He didn't hold out. But to start the season that way, I'm not suggesting this was the reason they started poorly, but to have your premium edge rusher not taken care of by week one, and certainly there's some high demands from Brian Burns' camp as well, that just didn't feel like it was you know, going to be a good situation. Credit to Burns for making it work. I think franchise tag ultimately is what's going to happen, and I think they'll try to work towards a long-term deal. But uh, never say never. They had two first-rounders on the table for Brian Burns. They said no to that. So uh, they clearly somebody in that building really likes the guy. We'll uh, see if that guy is still in the building now. John, when it comes to the offensive line, you know, a lot of people have been talking this offseason and they believe that, you know, with Brady Christensen coming back, with Austin Corbett hopefully fully healthy this season, uh, that maybe that that was just the biggest issue with this team last year and that they don't really need to do much along the offensive line to address it. What do you think about those thoughts? Or, or do you think they should be aggressive in, in trying to get some help at one of those spots along the offensive front? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the offensive line, in particular, the interior, is, is a major project for this team. But I'm not suggesting they go out and spend uh, top draft capital or top free agent dollar on this uh, position. But there's going to have to be some real hard talks about the evaluation of Chandler Zavala. Is there going to be something more from him? We like him coming out of NC State. But you remember, a lot of these mid-late round picks do not pan out and certainly had struggles last year. You look at Austin Corbett. To me, he's a keeper, but you got to stay healthy. That's two knee injuries uh, within a calendar year he had, and that's a huge setback. Bozeman, I like too. I think Bozeman thrives more with Steve Wilkes here and Ben McAdoo with power scheme running, and they got away from that a little bit, Frank. He got a little bit exposed, I thought, and left the guard, obviously, with Christensen. Yes, serviceable. I'm not sure if he's top-line talent, and I think there's a real discussion to be had about Aquanis. I like him at left tackle, but as one scout that was with that team evaluating Aquanu with the rest of the scouting department and our good friend Matt Rule was saying, hey, there was a real conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I found that guy. (laughs) There was a real conversation, according to my buddy here, that, uh, look, if it doesn't work out at left tackle within a reasonable amount of time here, we kick him into left guard, we got an all-pro probably. So that's something I would keep an eye on. That leaves left tackle a void. But I think Aquano stays there, and I think you've got to be bigger, stronger, more physical. Randy Mueller talked about this. When they brought in Drew Brees, a little undersized, one of the first things they did, they went out and they got guys like Evans at guard. They went out and they got very good tenure guys like Jeff Fain at center. 
back in 2006, and that was instrumental for a guy like Drew Brees. What they went through last year, injuries are going to happen. You can't have eight starters on the left guard, seven at right guard. It was horrible. But even so, your backups need to be a little more prepared and ready to go. And the scheme. I think Dave Canales will mask a lot of that. I, I thought last year's staff, I came in with high hopes. It was the worst I've ever seen in terms of insulating your quarterback with offensive line play. So I think coaching will help. Development will help. Continuity will help. They've got to get a little better on the inside. John Ellis with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You mentioned Icky there in your answer. We had a topic late last week on the the pressure, uh, who's under the most pressure for the players next season. And it turns out that the three guys we were thinking of, uh, Icky, Horn, and Bryce Young, are the last three first-round draft choices for the Panthers. When you look at those three players, who do you have the most faith in going forward for this franchise? Horn, Icky, or Bryce? Yeah, I'm going to say Bryce at this point. Uh, and I still have faith in, in each of those guys to, to have a certain role with this team moving forward. You look at the history of first-round picks in general, even top-ten picks, and it's a mixed bag, guys. It's a crapshoot. These things happen. We get so caught up in evaluating the player, we forget his destination, and uh, the surroundings thereof can impact their development. In a situation with Horn, I don't like, you know, using the injury-prone label. It's just really bad luck for the kid that he can't stay on the field. That said, this is the year. I mean, he's got to give us, you know, 15, 16 games if you're a Panthers staff here to fairly evaluate what you've got. You know you've got a great corner out there that can make plays. But if we get into a situation again where you're looking at maybe seven, eight starts and the rest of the season you're on the shelf, that becomes very problematic. And I'll say this, Icky, to me, he's a better left guard than left tackle. I think they've got to really consider that, but I'm not at a point now where I'm ready to write him off. You mentioned J.C. Horn. There's two position groups right now that I feel are just fundamentally important for them to get extremely solidified. Number one would be the interior offensive line, and number two is corner. Because I don't know what their plans are for Dante Jackson. I like the guy, but I think it's a new staff. They might be moving in a different direction, although Evero's back. He only had one year with him. Henderson's on the way out, I'm sure. And at that point, you listen to this cat. This will get you. So last year, Derek Brown had one interception. That tied uh, for second uh, on the team with the rest of the cornerback group, all of them. Only one other corner had a pick. So you had Stamper, I'm sorry, Von Bell had two of them, I think. And then obviously, uh, no, it was Xavier Woods. I'm sorry, guys, a little earlier here. Woods had oh, right. two of them. And then Derek Brown had one. And then the rest of the corner a group combined had one. And it was just very, very insufficient in terms of making plays. Oh, to answer your question, long story short, Bryce to me, especially working with Dave, the new head coach, Canales, uh, I think he's going to be just fine. I, I really think last year was just horrible coaching. And uh, I still think you're going to get a really good uh, year out of Bryce Young here. John, let me throw you another one that we talked about late last week. You know, it seems like wide receiver and offensive line are the most obvious needs right now. But when you go to that third need, tight end's been talked about, edge rusher. What do you think's the most important thing outside of a receiver and offensive line to help Bryce that this team needs moving forward into next year? Yeah, no doubt. You mentioned tight end. That's critical here. You know, Hayden Hurst, we know his story. Uh, one that uh, we, we wish him the best with. And, you know, he can still make a 
pretty significant impact here. Ian Thomas, I'm thinking that's probably something they may look to move off of. And I think everywhere Dave Canales has been, uh, all of his stops there, you look at tight end production, it's been uh, a variable component of their offense. Kay Dobson uh, coming to mind here last year when he had some nice moments. I don't know if they're going to be using uh, the tight end in the ways that we've seen here in the past uh, in terms of more blocking. You might find a good hybrid tight end and draft you can put out there and develop. But uh, there's some guys in the Frazier market, too. I think that position group um, is critical. I, I think one thing to keep in mind, too, this is on the broader spectrum here of your financial planning, something that has not always been uh, <laughs> for a guy that owns a team that knows a thing or two about money. Capital seems to just leak out from everywhere <laughs> in that building, whether it's draft capital, overpaying for contracts, not paying the right guy's contract. I think they need to be prudent this year about their spending. And I, that's the one piece of advice, if he would even take it, <laughs> with those eyes staring right back at me for the GM, Dan Morgan, spend wisely, spend prudently, and start thinking about 2025. When John Fox and Marty Herney took over things in 2002, that's kind of the similar track. Seifert left them a nice parting gift with a good draft. He got out of the building. Fox came in, and they cobbled together with what they had a seven-win season by not spending too much out there in free agency. You reserve a little bit of that for year two, then you can go get one or two guys like a Stephen Davis, a Ricky Pearl, a Kevin Dyson, add to the defense, and I think that's the idea there. But, no, man, you look at this league, you look at the tight end play, uh, boy, if they could have a chance to have a guy like Brock Bowers, which they won't, that would be transformative. But I think at this point it's more realistic to look towards the free agent market and see where they can find one other guy that's on the market again is Hunter Renfro from the Raiders, uh, John. I know that you cover Clemson as well. Does does the name Hunter Renfro make sense to you for what the Panthers need? It's come up before, but it seems to be one that uh, often comes up in discussions here. Yeah, another Clemson player that uh, the Panthers did not draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for many. <laughs> I, I love Hunter Renfro. I love his game, and I think uh, this is another case of a guy who had great production with the right coaching, and then all of a sudden uh, he gets in a situation where a coach somehow, some way can't find a way to use him in Josh McDaniels, and you saw things got better when Pierce took over. The only problem I have with this is it's a redundancy to me because what Thielen, assuming he comes back, and I would like to see that happen, gives you is, you know, he's not the exact prototype as a Hunter Renfro, but what he does playing in that wide position, playing uh, in the slot in any offense, and that's where he plays the majority of the snaps. You have some redundancy issues there in terms of what you can do with Renfro snap count-wise. So I think you've got to look more for the boundary X guys that are available there. Uh, you can look to the draft of guys like Keon Coleman. Uh, Worthy from Texas comes to mind in terms of his speed and breakaway ability. And then the free agent market is interesting because you talk about Renfro. Uh, you know, I said the T. Higgins thing, I think he's getting franchised. He's a local guy. I'd like to see that. Mike Evans, never say never there because Dave Canales and Mike get along well, and he's 30 years old. But, boy, he's a Panthers killer. We've seen over the years what he can oh. do. You want to go more modest? Calvin Ridley makes sense, and I really like Marquise Brown. I liked him last year. I like uh, what he brings in line speed-wise. And there's a name out here like uh, Gabriel Davis. You could uh, look in that direction, Darnell Mooney. These are not sexy names. I get it. Tyler Boyd's available, too. you got to look at guys who can get off the jam, who can separate. And uh, guys that can just give Bryce an opportunity to make a play by simply getting a little more open than what we're seeing now. And they need at least one guy to do that on the boundary. 
I don't think Renfro's the answer there, but I certainly think he'll catch 100 balls somewhere in that role. John, you're the best, man. Go ahead, promote your content where we can find you and all this stuff you're talking about here. Uh, it's awesome, man. Thank you. Uh, you can hear us Fox Sports Upstate, iHeartRadio, and it's going to be 4 to 6 p.m. weekdays on Game On. And then you got the Roar Podcast, uh, the Brains of the Operations, Billy Marshall. I just push the buttons and keep him in line. And you can hear that on uh, Blue Wire Pods, uh, One Panther Plate on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, we got the Ingles Countdown to Tip-Off Show, also on WEC, uh, covering Clemson men's hoops. And you know what? They keep breaking our hearts, the officiating, all this stuff, and we're worried down here again. We're going to get left out. I think Brunel's team is uh, heading to the dance. But, boy, the ACC, I can't keep track of it all, man. It's been a wild year in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I don't know why a Clemson fan would be mad at the referees at all this basketball season. John, thank you so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. <laughs> salute to you, there, my friend. There you go. That's the, the great John Ellis. Check out all the content. Shower, shame, and sh- Share your mornings with Mac and Bone. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. The official home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.